more people selling online, more creators selling their own products. You got, so you got sort of the decentralization of the marketplace. I think that we're going to enter a new world of like the curator economy. Hey, Jossie, welcome to the show. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. What are you, what are you, uh, based uh, to tell me a bit more about what is going on. You told me before, right? Austin. Yeah. So, uh, we're based on Boston. We have the, the company was originally founded outside of Washington DC and that's where the, the original founders lived and grew a small team. And, uh, right before COVID, we actually decided to move our headquarters to Austin and, and, uh, scaled pretty sizable team there. And, uh, post COVID we've, we've gotten more and more remote. So now we're kind of all over the board, but Austin's our, our home base. That's nice. You know, it's interesting. It also changes cities, and I think that helps a lot. You know, to see things from different perspectives, uh, meeting people, and so on. So cool, cool to hear that you also move around. That, that tell us a bit more about yourself. You use uh, this thing called Map, that is divided in three, you know, sections. That is the mission, the purpose. Sorry, the mission, the achievement, and the purpose. Uh, to know a bit more about yourself, you know. So basically, what do you aim to achieve? Uh, any notable milestones professionally or you know, even personally, if you have anything to share with us and also the purpose. So why do you do what you do? So from a, from a business perspective at Sam Carter, our mission is to be the number one e-commerce platform for digital sellers. We want to empower people to start selling online, to scale their selling online and really be able to do that anywhere they are. On a, from a personal perspective, my mission is really to do all that, be a CEO and also be a great father, husband and friend. I think um, that's, you know, a, a challenge that we all sort of, regardless of our role experience every day. From a an achievements perspective, it kind of sounds crazy, but there's been three points in my life where I've created something from the ground up. So I've had an idea, I've created something and then I've sold it. And that first sale, I can remember every single one. Making that sale is what separates the entrepreneur from everyone else, right? There's a lot of people out there that just kind of have ideas and churn and churn and churn. I think being able to sort of push something over the finish line and make that first sale is a huge accomplishment. From a larger, more pre- from a professional perspective, I now you know run a you know 100 plus person company. You know we're strive to be very empathetic and, and strong company culture. We do tens of millions of dollars in revenue. So scaling a business to that that level of achievement has been, you know, also very rewarding. I think on the personal side, um, I think in the last year I've had a real personal breakthrough in terms of what work-life balance really means. I used to think that work-life balance meant spending more time with family and friends opposed to work. I've really spent a lot of time understanding that it's less about time and more about sort of reprogramming my brain to understand like what I'm supposed to be getting out of that time. So work isn't, doesn't need to be as tied to all my self-worth. And when I'm with my kids, I can have more smaller, more special moments. And it's really been sort of like, for me, a personal, a personal milestone. Nice. And, uh, you know, you said, you know, hundred people, you know, millions of dollars, you know, getting in the business. Like now this is the current situation, but tell me a bit more like, how did you come up, you know, with, with the idea of SamCard? What was the aha moment that maybe you realized, oh, maybe there is a need for this? Yeah, so SamCard was actually founded by two brothers, um, Brian and Scott Moran. They were Division One baseball players in college, and they were you know, really great at baseball. This was bad. This was in, like, the early 2000s. When they graduated, they became creators before that was even a term. They were essentially creating uh, online baseball content. So what happened was, is they started running into a roadblock with their tech. Shopify existed back then, but it really was just for physical products. There wasn't a lot of options for digital product sellers. And so they ran into this wall. And so they built this first MVP of what SamCard eventually became in-house as their, for their own solution. I think at the time they, you know, say they were doing about a million dollars in revenue and they got to about $3 million in revenue just from this this software change. What was really interesting is 
pretty soon people didn't really care what they were selling. They cared more about how they were selling it. There was lots of questions. Well, what is the software you're using? How are you doing this? How is you know, this looks so cool? Like, how do I do this? And that was the aha moment where they, you know, they always knew this could probably be, you know, eventually the, the next business. But I think this is, was sort of the the breakout success for them. Yeah, I mean, the rest was history. We we launched in 2015. Uh, we did a thousand customers, a million dollars of revenue the first year with no sales and marketing. And I think it just really struck a chord. And uh, we've been sort of scaling it ever since. How did we change the digital commerce? And Shopify was primarily for selling physical products, but now there are like a lot of people selling courses and you know consulting and things that they can just like you know make one time and then potentially like you know selling to the masses, you know, even without being there present, right? How did it change all these industry uh, in the past uh, in the past years since you started the company? It's interesting because we built Samcart with two sort of key key uh, differentiators or sort of key different key pillars. The first one is that we didn't build a storefront, right? There's lots of tools out there that you could go build a storefront. You could go add a bunch of cart, items to a cart and, and check out. But what they needed was the ability to actually bring that checkout experience to wherever the buyer was, right? They were already, they were already talking to coaches offline or they were already running ads to coaches or they were already talking to parents of, of students. They didn't need these folks to go to a big catalog store and add items to a cart. They just wanted them to be able to buy right then and there. That was the first sort of piece. And the second piece is that they had all different types of products living within the same ecosystem. So you have a podcast next to a digital product, next to a subscription, next to a membership, next to a ebook or whatever it might be. Samcart, before, long before being known as sort of a creator, you know, e-commerce platform, we just built ourselves in that direction. And I think, you know, we actually had a, a, a random spike in like kind of the, when the D2C revolution was happening a few years ago, when a direct consumer brands like Astro Mattress were coming to the forefront, we had a whole bunch of those come in because again, they don't want storefront buyers. They want this like, hey, I've got one mattress that I'm running an ad to. I want you to buy it. And then obviously in the last, you know, four years since sort of the sort of creator economy has exploded, we've sort of caught that, that those tailwinds and, you know, then propelled forward simply because we were built that way. You know, when you go to the major e-commerce providers, when you Google and go to major e-commerce providers, most of them are the very first thing you see on their homepage is storefronts. You see like the catalog store with like the thousand t-shirts. We don't do that. You can't create that in Samcar. And I think that's where both the market has changed and we've changed along with it. Are you noticing you know, trends happening in the industry? Anything that you're bullish on to be like, okay, if I was like, you know, now a creator or on the other side, like a you know, brand I want to work with a creator, I would like definitely look into that. Is there anything that you're looking at? Yeah. So I think um, a couple, I mean, to take what I just said a step back, right? So you know, I've seen, I think Linktree has a new creator report out, which is, is super interesting. Um, I, I think it's a little inflated. They, they think that there's upwards of 200 million creators in the world. I don't know. I, I've seen numbers, you know, we sort of go by the $50 million, a $50 million creator uh, number. But what's interesting is, you know, some of these reports all seem to sort of coalesce around this idea that 46% of them are free, are generating revenue in some way. And so if, if we, if we take this premise that there's millions of people that are starting to generate a line, right, through by establishing themselves as a creator. And then we're also saying that, okay, these creators are now starting to create and build their own products. I think what we're going to see is a real big shift in the market and a real trend away from online commerce being dominated by just marketplaces like Amazon and others, right? You're going to see millions of small creators that actually are like leading brands mm -hmm. and creating products. And so I think that the brands that lean into that, the marketplaces that lean into that, I've seen in the last like six months, I've seen a whole bunch of, of Amazon competitors uh, that are leaning into that where they're starting to create like a marketplace, but of creators products instead of sort of maybe like this sort of mass market marketplace. I think that's 
you know, sort of a, a global e-commerce trend. And I think between that and AI, when you think about AI, we've we've had we have an interesting crossover at Samcart with AI. So a couple things. One, um, we actually just purchased um, a this was. Uh, about a year ago now, uh, we purchased a company called Typeset. Typeset is a generative solution that allows um, creators to to basically you have an idea, you take you have your written text, and you just paste it in, and it's going to output a ebook mm-hmm. or you know product that you could sell on you know, card. One of the things that we found through that and through running some experiments is that you know the success rate of our creators actually goes up pretty significantly when using AI, even even not our own product, even even just our creators that are using ChatGTP, for example, to create their sales content. It goes from like 3%. The average person coming off the street trying Sam cards, Joe Schmo, has a 3% chance to actually make it big and sell and create, you know, make sales online, you know, substantial sales online. This, we, in the same cohort of people that were, or sorry, we took a cohort of people, we divide them in half. We let one of them, about 1,400 people run without any sort of AI guidance training. We just let them do it. And they hit that 3% mark, which is our benchmark. We took the, a, another 1,400 people and we actually put them through AI. We made them like, use ChatGDP to generate their sales copy on their pages and they went up to 15%. So, you know, almost 5x improvement in the ability to make sales by leveraging AI. So what we see is a couple of things. One, what's interesting about creators is that they're really great at creating content, but creating good content doesn't necessarily mean converting conversion sales content, right? So um, we, uh, the story, I'll, I won't give their name, but we had the number one uh, 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 violin player in the world, whatever Whatever body decides that, I don't know, but they were like, they had like something like 9 million followers and they just were the best violin player in the world. Yeah. They wanted to create a course and then they launched this course and they made like $7,000. And, you know, like it's a perfect example of like, if you don't know how to create a product or create messaging that actually takes an audience and converts it into, to buy your product, it doesn't matter how great you are, how many followers you are. So I think, you know, someone like that, or even someone much smaller than that, like is going to start leveraging AI in the future to be able to generate, to, to bridge that gap. And so if we have a bunch of people bridging that gap, right, you've got, you know, more people selling online, you have more creators selling their own products. You've got, so you've got sort of the just decentralization of the marketplace. I think what we're going to have to start, I think we're going to enter a new world of like the curator economy. Like there's going to have to now be a new introduction of a new place in the world for brands or for, you know, people to essentially start aggregating this content, you know, driving more authority, you know, under, helping people, you know, develop a true source of truth if you have so much content just being flooded at you. So I think that's kind of in general a trend I'm, you know, mm-hmm. shot and, and I'm seeing, you know. Hello, is your brand ready to amplify its reach? Well, the Influencer Marketing Factory is here to do just that. We are a global influencer marketing agency helping brands ignite their growth from influencer identification to campaign strategy handling legalities and agreements to managing shipping and logistics, we have it all covered. We work with hundreds of brands across different verticals from Fortune 500 companies to DTC brands. And we don't just stop there. With detailed ROI analysis, we help brands like yours measure success, transforming impressions into actionable conversions. You can find us at theinfluencermarketingfactory.com or just search the Influencer Marketing Factory on Google. It, I've been seeing that happening. Think about it, the upper personalization and you know, creation of things uh, everywhere. Spotify, there are millions of songs, but it's telling you now like, hey, you should listen to this. There is the DJ function, like, you know, there is the uh, different six like you know, albums that you can listen uh, on a daily basis, depending on what you listen to. And that is also happening everywhere, right? TikTok only gives you what you want to see. YouTube also some, you know, sometimes also at that as well so i think it's going to happen also in that it's, it's an interesting concept that he shared about the you know, curator economy 
Uh, and and still on that, you know, you said that AI is helping a lot to increase like you know conversions. Uh, but any any other tips uh, that you would like to share when it comes again, you know, increasing conversion and uh, decreasing car abandonment. Uh, anything else that you notice that works? If you look at the top 50% of our earners compared to the bottom 50% of our earners, the top 50% have five to 10 times more traffic from social than the bottom. So you still have to play, social still playing a huge role. I think that's sort of obvious. Yeah. I think um, Facebook is actually drives the majority of the traffic. I think we, you know, we hear TikTok, is, you know, lots of folks are, you know, it's just TikTok and you know, you've got Instagram and, uh, you know, Facebook still drives the majority of the traffic no matter, you know, what earn, earner bracket you're in, um, which we see. Our best customers, our best creators, actually sell more to their existing customers than they do to new customers. So when we look at our top sellers, their LTV continues to grow year over year. And what's interesting is only 12% of their customer base on average are repeat customers. But when we look at the data, it actually accounts for more than 46% of their total revenue. So these folks are just finding ways to own a customer, retain a customer, and sell more to that customer. And I think that goes back to the trend of them wanting to own their own, have their own products, their own brand, because they're able to do exactly that. I feel that you guys also like like did the 2023 creator profits report, right? Um, there were like you know, some information about AI and so on. Is there also anything else there that either like shocked you to find out uh, anything that you were not expecting uh, or anything just like that got you interest? I always thought buy now, pay later was more of a, I knew that it was, I knew that it was extremely valuable in certain in certain specific use cases. I always thought it was kind of going to be more of a niche, like, uh, solution. But what we've seen is really that like, it's, it's very mainstream. Like we're seeing people that are leveraging buy now, pay later. They're, the frequency in which they're using that purchase choice is like 36% of their purchases. They're seeing, you know, massive average order improvements, like 40% in some places. I think that what they're, what we're seeing is that buy now, pay later is probably more mainstream and being leveraged more than I expected. Right. It's still has a, it's still you know not as mainstream as as other you know uh, payment options, but you know I, I was sort of shocked by that. Like I didn't realize how fast. Um, and then also um, we're seeing a lot of these like Stripe Launch Link, Stripe Link, and these um, one-click payment networks like ShopPay and others. I, I've sort of watched this evolve for many many years now. I've been in e-commerce my whole, almost my whole career, and I you know. Amazon had a payment solution for a long time, and there's been lots of attempts at these, and so maybe I'm just sort of been jaded by that in the past, but. It really does seem like there's a lot of consumer adoption and a lot of success um, in these types of solutions. A lot of our, our customers are adding them to their pages and, we're, and they're seeing, you know, pretty significant uh, gains. Um, and I think at one point we were seeing like 11% of um, a marketplace was actually using something like Stripe Link or ShopPay. And now we're in the last year or so, we've seen that jump up into the low 30s. So we are seeing, you know, a lot more adoption of these sort of like payment networks, which are, you know, those that I found to be pretty interesting. In addition to these things that you already mentioned, I would like to know from you when it comes to, you pick the one that you like, okay, the most. So it could be affiliate marketing, influencer marketing, or creator economy that is not totally up to you. And I'd like you know, if, uh, know from you, what do you like about that specific industry? What do you don't like it? And if there is anything missing, what do we like to see being implemented in next year? I think the days of sort of being a faceless affiliate and just generating leads is, is becoming harder and harder. You know, we've seen over the last several years as sort of like influencers are more um, obviously trusted uh, with consumers and brands alone. And we've also seen that sort of influencers provide credibility. You know, it's funny as we're, we, I, I see, I, I've, you know, I've, I've followed sort of the affiliate space for a long time and I've seen sort of a shift from a lot of our major affiliates are, um, a lot of 
sort of more traditional faceless affiliate companies are starting to change over to try to build personal, you know, build, have, have people represent the brand. I've seen a full, you know, we, we're starting to see like influencers that are just fully generative. We, they're not, they don't exist, right? They're just, you know, whether it's an, an Instagram influencer that doesn't exist and it's just fully generative. But uh, more recently, I've seen a full video that's just like, I, I, I didn't, I didn't know it was, was a fully generative person until the end. And I think that we'll probably see a lot of like, we'll probably see a convergence between that industry and the affiliate industry where you have aff affiliate companies and brands that yeah. are like, or not brands, but affiliate companies that are basically mm -hmm. built to drive lead volume. You know, they're really great marketers and that they're going to start merging with AI to be able to actually just build a, mm -hmm. a, a, a person, a, a fake influencer around sort of their marketing engine. What I, like, this is more of a, like a personal thing. You see, what, what, what would you want to see change is like, I think it goes back to that curator economy, which is like, I am I am a little nervous about a world where like, I'm just watching content and I don't really know if this is a real person or not, if this is completely generated by a brand for a purpose. You know, I think um, it's, for me, I'm not super scared about like misleading content. What I'm scared about is like, oh, I follow this influencer and I trust her opinions because I think that they're going out camping every weekend. And so they can give me the best information off the stove. But when we enter into a world where I don't really know if this person is real, they're actually going out camping, it kind of lends, you know, lends but I will, what I will wrap up and say is that when I look at our customers on our creators who earn at least say half a million dollars a year or more in GMV, they are, you know, more than half of them use affiliates and, and, and influencers to sort of promote their product wire on. So it's not going anywhere. It's only going to continue to scale. And I think, you know, well, that's, that's where we're, we're headed. On the AI side, I, I think you have something right. Uh, we are working on a new report about, you know, AI transfers, uh, we're updating data that we already had. I was doing my research and I found out like, you know, YouTube videos uh, that go in tutorials, uh, really in depth uh, from, you know, A to Z, how to create, uh, uh, you know, AI content creator. And uh, I noticed that some of these are very good. Like if you're scrolling quickly, you don't realize, as you correctly said before, you don't realize that it's a, a person that doesn't really exist. So quite curious to see what is going to happen there if people are going to you know really do something because today we're just discussing me like yeah maybe you can promote up you know clothes right that is okay uh you, you use basically use the ai like you know as a uh, as a mannequin right uh, what about food and bev like uh, an ai generated like you know a content creator or influencer cannot taste like you know a certain uh, you know a protein bar or whatever right so do you, do you think that is gonna it's gonna you know really take uh I don't like any importance in, in the US, uh, um, do people will trust or it's going to be like a phase uh, because everyone is running there, but then it's going to somehow, you know, get to normal again. So I've been very skeptical. I'm a very skeptical technologist. Mm -hmm. Like I, you know, I think that there's some interesting use cases for the blockchain, but like, I'm, you know, crypto, I've, you know, I thought like NFTs and stuff, I'm, I was in huge, you know, I was like, okay, yeah. Um, the one difference I see is that we're starting to see these things become productized and then actually leveraged in market. So I think, you know, I've seen Fortune 500 brands that are starting to use this technology with the company, you know, that I know well. And, um, you know, now that I'm starting to see it actually be productized and used in market, I think we've maybe crossed some sort of chasm that we can't go back. Um, I think I, some of the, some of the prior technologies that I've seen that we haven't really ever gotten to that point. I think, you know, we've moved beyond just sort of like something like chat TV being interesting and more of it being embedded into like the tools that we use. And so I think like that's going to drive change. And I think, I don't think we're going to sort of just, I don't think it's going to spike and then disappear personally. With that said, Justin, thank you so much for uh, joining me today. Congratulations on what, uh, what you built. It seems that you you got a uh, really, you know, great things uh, happening there. So congrats on that. Yeah, I appreciate it, Alexander.
This was the Influence Factor by the Influence Marketing Factory, and I'll see you next week.